Welcome to Garden DC, the podcast about everything gardening in the Washington DC and Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Kathy Gents. I'm the editor of Washington Gardener Magazine, and we're aimed at gardening enthusiasts, people who grow everything from edibles to ornamentals, natives to exotics. If it grows in our area, that's what we talk about. This week on the Garden DC podcast, we're joined by Deborah and Michaela of Garden Spots, a garden container business. Welcome, ladies. Hey, how are you, Kathy? Hi. How are you? So it's great to have a dual guest <laughs> with me today. Um, and we'll we'll try to differentiate for the listeners who's talking uh, when. So maybe let's go ahead and start with Deborah. And um, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the plant business. Well, I've always been uh, a gardener and uh, loving to be outside. And uh, after 20 years of a job where I was sitting behind a computer all the time uh, doing research, I realized that I wanted to do something different. And one of the first things I did was I became a master gardener and that sort of exposed me to the whole world of um, horticulture in this area. And I realized, you know, we could make a career out of that. Great. And Michaela, how about you? How did you get into this crazy green horticulture business? (laughs) Well, Deborah and I have we frequently talk about how we've lived parallel lives because I also spent decades sitting at a computer and working behind a desk. And I finally decided I really needed a change. So um, I, I was never a master gardener. I went straight into classes about horticulture because it was, you know, my passion on the side and um, took a lot of classes through Montgomery College on sustainable landscape and plant materials. And that's actually where Deborah and I met. And we both agreed that we were looking for a change. And we both agreed that we were too old to join a landscape crew and start planting trees in people's (laughs) backyards. So we spent a lot of time thinking about something that um, we wanted to do and looking for a niche in the industry that we thought we could fill. Interesting. And I like that you recognize your physical uh, limitations and that maybe backbreaking work all day wasn't what you were looking for. True. That was Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say... I say this, but just yesterday I was on my hands and knees. Actually, I was on my back under the benches in the greenhouse working on tables. And I said to Deborah, you know, even doing this, it's better than office work. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's not a, it's still a physical job, but I, you know, we're not digging holes. Mm-hmm. Keeps you in shape. Keeps yes. you young. <laughs> Very true. And yeah, you don't have to join a gym when you have your work (laughs) physical. So sitting in an office or cubicle all day, um, were you yearning and looking out the window or did you even have a window in your offices? 
Well, it's funny that you say that because that was kind of the last straw for me. I had started out in a, in a large room with three people and a nice big window. And then I got a promotion and I became a project manager and they moved me into my own office, which was interior and had no windows. And I sat there going, I cannot do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a similar experience, but we had a consolidation and I ended up in an interior office. And I, I it was not my cup of tea. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I had an interior office job at one point and that was my last straw at that place. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess our lesson from that is don't put plant people in an interior office <laughs> if you want to maintain your employees, people. <laughs> yep. Or how about not just plant people, how about every people? Oh, <laughs> I agree. Know, everybody I... needs access to sunshine and a view. Absolutely. It's good for your mental health. <laughs> at, a, at a mere minimum. <laughs> so, um, so let's tell everybody a little bit about the Garden Spots business. Okay. Well, the business itself, it's an online uh, container garden business. So you go online, you look at the offerings that we have, you pick out your container, you pick out the grouping of flowers that you like, and we plant and deliver. And we can also plant in containers that clients already have, which is great. So you can replant things. And we also do some custom work for people as well. Yeah, it's it's a very simple concept. I mean, if you live in an apartment building and you don't want to haul pots and you don't want to haul soil, you just get on our website and say, I like this, and we bring it to you. And we've found people are confused by it because nobody else does that. And it, they think it's too simple. They think they don't understand what we're saying. We're like, no, just order that and we will bring it to you. Right. Most people think of uh, container gardens. Either you go to a garden center and you pick out something or you can order plants and pots online, but then you have to get soil and fertilizer, kind of know what you're putting together. Um so this, this gives people an option to have it just ready to enjoy, as we say on our site. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that in this past year, people have really uh, come to understand or the benefits of this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's almost so simple that you're like, wait a minute, what? You do this for me? <laughs> so, yeah. so you're basically taking care of the delivery and potting up and bringing soil um, so if you were living in a high rise apartment, like you say, or a rooftop garden or something like that, you're taking care of that part, or you're not able to, uh, physically do it yourself. That might be a great reason to have the service, or you just are car free like myself. And you're like, Hey, I'd love somebody to deliver those plants and deliver that soil to me. That's right. It, it's also, we've, we've also found in, uh, a, an interesting clientele in real estate agents who want something very quickly to brighten up a front door for an open house or a stage a patio. Mm -hmm. So that's another great thing is there's, there's always something fresh and new and ready to go. We also find a lot of our clients buy our products as gifts. So we do a big business at Mother's Day. Um, we've had a lot of birthday presents that we've delivered. It's uh, yeah, we're, we're a big gift item. <laughs> yeah. I can say that I don't know any gardener or any person who wouldn't welcome that gift <laughs> to have a container delivered to them and none of the work behind it. Although I personally enjoy 
potting up and doing my containers, but you also just do delivery without potting them up on site. That's right. If you're ordering, you can order just the plants uh, if you already have places to put them, even in your yard. Um, And then you can say whether you want us to pot things up or not. We don't do uh, work in the landscape, only if it's in a container, but uh, we can certainly bring you things and even provide a planting plan for you to do yourself or you know, if you have landscape maintenance people, they can do it for you. And it's interesting you say, you know, you are a person, you are a plant person. And so you like doing this stuff yourself. A lot of our best clients are people who love to look at plants, but they have trouble keeping them alive. So we have taken a lot of pride in providing great customer service. So if you, you can call us with a plant question and we will help you. People email us pictures of plants. People ask us questions all the time. Um, We walk people through how to trim their plants. And we've made a lot of videos online to help people know how to water and when to water. We have a whole page on the website dedicated to care and feeding of your, your plants. So, And we send out a newsletter every couple of weeks with tips on keeping your plants alive and healthy and how to prune them and, you know, keep them going through the whole summer. I think the education is such a great part of it. And it it is almost like, I want to use the phrase entryway drug. So (laughs) that, you know, if somebody just started off with that one container from you that you helped them with, then they're like, I can do this. And then the next year, you know, add a couple more, then they're going on their own and, you know, expanding on it. So I think that's a great uh, way to gift somebody the gift of gardening and get them started. Yeah, one of our favorite posts on Instagram was from someone who said, I have a black thumb and look at my garden spot spot. It's still going because, and that's partly also because we know how to build them, how to put the correct type of potting mix in there and fertilizer. So really, as long as you remember to water, they're good to go. And let's definitely dive in a little bit about those secrets of keeping your containers healthy and how the best way to plant them and source that soil mix. Uh, But before we leave your business um, exploration, just wanted to ask, because our listeners are international Mm -hmm. and we have them outside the country, besides our close in DC area, mid-Atlantic region here, you service just a small area because it is just the two of you doing this business. So is that just Montgomery County, Maryland? Uh, generally just Montgomery County, Maryland. We have delivered to Virginia. We've delivered to all of the other counties that touch Montgomery County, and we've delivered to DC. Mm-hmm. We have big plans to become an international um, <laughs> well, at least, at least regional. <laughs> <laughs> but at the moment, it is just Deborah and myself. So um, yeah, we are limiting ourselves to Montgomery County, Maryland. Mm-hmm. We did have, we had someone order last year from up in Baltimore County and we also go to farm markets. We do a make and take pot, which is a much smaller pot that people can uh, put together right there. They can pick their plants. We put it together at the farm market and they can carry it off. But we've offered that as a pickup location for people who want to come from outside the area. Oh, I like that idea of a make it, take it and coming to meet you and talk to you and doing that. So with this um, business idea, you can obviously franchise it. <laughs> and go international, as you say. But are you aware of other similar businesses or anybody else that would be direct competition to you? 
Not in our area. There are some groups that are starting to deliver plants. They won't deliver a pre-built container with your choice of planter. Um, they'll some there is a, a new group that's delivering trees and shrubs and some plants. And there are groups in other parts of the country that will um, do a subscription service. So, you know, you can sign up for four different planters a year, but you get what they want to bring you. Um, in our case, we'll either, you know, you can choose anything on our website, or if you don't like anything on our website, or you have a passion for orange and purple together with something else, you know, you can just contact us and we'll create it for you. And I don't think anybody is doing all of that. And we've also been trying to branch out into um, science kits to get kids more interested in gardening. So we've got a spring magic kit. We were um, putting together a beta test group for a corn kit and a peanut kit for this summer. So we're trying to really make sure that we have unique products that nobody else is offering. Right. We did a lot of research when we started this up. So we spent a lot of time looking at our competition, um, you know, researching what, what it would cost to do this. We actually worked with the um, Maryland Women's Business Center. Uh, they have consultants and they really forced us to create an in-depth business plan that included looking at what else was out there. And so that really helped. That was a really good way to start this off and to figure out, you know, how, what, what was the gap in the market that we could fill? Mm -hmm. And that was really smart that it is a second career for both of you, that you do have some business background and you've got some marketing behind you. So you're not just starting off with a blank slate. Yeah. And I think that's really important too, is that the partnership really works and it's just great to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and somebody you work well with. I, I can't imagine doing this myself in a vacuum and trying to decide which of my ideas are really any good. So, <laughs> And it helps that our skills are complementary. So Deborah's got a lot of background with spreadsheets and um, I make her do all of the <laughs> QuickBooks bookkeeping because I hate that. And then I handle our social media and the website and more of the marketing stuff because that's what I did. And so what about sourcing? Do you have a warehouse and do you hold all your plant pots there? And how do you keep your plants alive between when you order them to when they come to the customer? So for the first two years, it was basically <laughs> our garages and our deck. <laughs> and the trick was keeping the deer off the plants and in my yard, keeping them, keeping enough sun on the plants. This is Deborah, And uh, so... Um, but this year, because we have expanded quite a bit, we are uh, sharing some space with a small tree farm. They had a great sized hoop house that they're not using. Um, so we are using that and that allows us to get more plants at, at one time. Um, but one of the benefits of what we're doing is we're working with local growers. And so we're picking up plants or having delivered almost weekly during the really busy seasons in May and June. So we're getting really good, fresh plants. We change our offerings. Um, it helps the product when you say, how do you keep them looking good? They're looking good because 
we they're not sitting around in a garden center for weeks and weeks until someone decides they want them. Yeah, we and Deborah said almost every week. It's actually more like two or three times a week um, in May. In May, yeah. Well, I I literally will drive to our suppliers on Monday and then I'd probably on Thursday and pick up carloads of materials and then take them to the greenhouse and then we fulfill our orders and then we also take a lot of stuff to the farm market. And so by the end by Sunday night we have almost nothing left. So it's, we're flipping it very quickly. Looking at the container choices that you offer your customers on your website, what made you choose those particular containers? And do you find certain materials to be better for the health of container garden plants? So why those particular, almost all of our pots come from uh, one supplier who is an American supplier. Um, and they make a lot of their pots here. And then we have a couple that come from Italy. But one of the things, one of the big problems that we had when we were first starting up was finding suppliers, finding wholesalers. That was very difficult. And we were warned that ordering pots in bulk from overseas, you will experience delays. And so we wanted to work with a supplier who was a little more reliable for us. And again, because in the beginning, we couldn't order really in very large quantities. We had fewer offerings the first two years. Um, but why those pots, those, for the most part, we're working with plastic. And that's because, or resin, because they're easy for us to carry and deliver because we are delivering a completed pot. They're easy for our clients to move around. They're durable. You have the problem with ceramics that if you try to keep it over the winter, they can crack. So um, that's what we keep in stock, although certainly we work with other materials and vendors for some of the custom work. Well, another reason we chose the, um, the plastic pots was because they're affordable and we wanted to appeal to everyone in the area. We didn't want to create a product that was really priced well outside of somebody's affordability. And so I think our least expensive, completely assembled pot is $55. And um, the most expensive pot is like 75, somewhere in there. So if you compare that to other places where you might go and buy a pre-assembled pot, um, our prices are much, much lower. And that's because we have affordable pots. And do you find any particular colors are more popular than others? Terracotta. Yeah, people, <laughs> even in the plastic, they want the terracotta look. Um, so that's been very popular. Also, our more modern looking ones are very sleek. This year we have a gray and a brown granite that's, you know, kind of that egg shape. The modern looking pots are very popular. Yeah, but a lot of people don't want to push the envelope. You know, they know that terracotta will be acceptable in the neighborhood. Their mother had terracotta. Everybody, you know, it's just a classic look. But when we go to the farm markets, we have a whole series of littler pots that come in bright green and bright pink and yellow and purple. And they're surprisingly popular. And and it's funny because people will stand there and they'll say, I think I want the terracotta. And then their friend will go, oh, be wild. Get get the purple one. I know you want it. And then they do. And it's so fun. They get so excited about their wild choice of 
purple. And then invariably the kids come by and they want the yellows and the pinks. And so it's nice to have the super bright colors in the, in the smaller pots. Cause as you say, it's like a fun introduction to gardening and people can, they can, it's an affordable thing at the farmer's market because it's only $30 and they can experiment with color in a way they might not, if it was a lot more expensive. It's really interesting, the psychology of online ordering being more conservative and then in yeah. person taking a chance. But yeah. yeah, go for the colorful ones. What You know, life is short. <laughs> we agree. We agree. Yes. So um, moving on to your soil mix, do mm-hmm. you have a custom mix done for you? Do you mix your own? And what are the components of that mix? Uh, we don't. We use uh, the sun grow. Um, the 830 mix, which is a very lightweight mix, uh, that is the biggest problem with plants in containers is that the, you, the potting medium gets very compacted over time, both from rain and just from the expansion and contraction of pots. Um, and so we went with something that's extremely lightweight and it really does hold up well over the summer. Uh, for the entire season. So it is the base of that is a ground bark and it also has peat in it and it also has um, vermiculite in it. I think it's perlite. Perlite. Yeah. This one's perlite. So the key there is um, that there are no real nutrients in that. It's a great potting mix. It's not a soil. It doesn't have compost. It doesn't, it, it definitely needs fertilizer. So one of the tricks that um, it's not even really a trick, but we always add fertilizer and people, uh, I, I know a lot of people who will just buy a potting mix at the store and they use it for their pots. And then they say, oh, they, it didn't grow. You know, everything just sort of sat there or it just died. And it's almost always because they didn't realize that the, what they purchased actually doesn't have the nutrition that the plants need. And they really do need to add the fertilizer. So, um, and we use a long-term yep. slow-release fertilizer, so it's it's good for sixty to ninety days. And then we recommend that people do start fertilize, either add more long-term or start with a water-soluble. But people, you know, the water-soluble, you have to if you add it, you have to keep adding it every week because it does, mm-hmm. you know, rinse out of the pot. Yep, so. time release is our friend. Mm-hmm. So you're mixing the slow release fertilizer pellets in with the potting medium yes, at, yes. at planting time. Yes, exactly. Okay. And the sun grow that you're talking about is S-U-N-G-R-O, no W at the end, correct? That's correct. And it's Metro Mix. And I think the, they have a, a many different varieties of Metro Mix and ours is, I think you said 830. It's the I 830. Think that's right. Yeah, it's definitely the 830. And uh, it drains well. So you don't worry about soggy roots as much. And as Deborah said, it doesn't compact over time, which for a pot is important. And again, it's an American company, which we really like. It's local. Nice. And speaking of drainage, do you put anything in the bottom of those pots? Do you fill it entirely with the potting mix? Yes, that is a myth that you should put things in the bottom of your pot. You only do that if you haven't got drainage holes. And if you haven't got drainage holes, you have a different problem. So yes, as long as your pots have good drainage holes, you really don't need to put more in there. Now with our very largest pots, our 20 inch pots, uh, we sometimes put bark in the bottom just to make it easier to carry uh, when we're delivering. But obviously when we're replanting, we don't do that. 
Um, and you really, it's totally unnecessary, which was something that we learned when we <laughs> took our landscaping classes at Montgomery College. So, <laughs> yep. And the plants are happier when they can send their roots all the way to the bottom instead of, you know, running into bricks and rocks part way down. Good to know. And do you add supplemental holes to your planters? Because I find the rolled plastic or, or resin planters that I purchase from home stores uh, will have holes marked, but not necessarily drilled. And the marks will be maybe three for a 20 inch or 36 inch pot. So I usually double that with a with a home drill or a nail and a hammer. Yeah, our largest pots come with the holes already in them, and there is there are four in there, and it's also somewhat elevated from uh, from the, the base from the saucer so that there's room to drain. But yeah, if we if we were working with something that didn't have holes in it, we would add definitely enough holes for it. So one little trick about um, saucers that are built into the pots, we discovered this the first year they will fill up with water and then after a few weeks it can get a little stinky and sometimes you even get mosquitoes down in there mm -hmm. so if that is a problem that somebody has if you've got a built-in saucer and it's retaining water all the time um, we started adding a tablespoon of vinegar to the saucer and that pretty much wiped out the problem yeah, I use uh, mosquito bits or mosquito dunks if I have an area with standing water like that, but they do need to be replaced every 30 days or so. Right, and, they, and they'll deal with the mosquitoes, but they don't deal with kind of the, the funky algae growth, which the... Uh, <laughs> the funky <laughs> <that's right. laughs> Exactly, yeah. If, it, if it's sitting there and it's always wet, then you, you kind of have that green slime underneath. Yeah, you get right. that bottom of the stream essence. But I really recommend to people, I mean, if, if you're not worried, if it's not sitting on a deck where you're worried about staining, keep the saucer off and let it drain properly. Yeah, I think free draining, especially here in the mid-Atlantic, where we have pretty frequent rains and especially, you know, thunderstorm events in the summertime where you can get really flooded out um, in your containers is, is probably a good option, or at least to know to check those containers uh, every week or so. Mm -hmm. So for ongoing maintenance for the containers, what do you tell your customers? You're like, it's ready, it's planted, looks great right now, but in a month, do you tell them to shear them back or what, besides you had mentioned, give them liquid fertilizer after a, a short amount of time? Well, we actually, well, as I mentioned, we have a newsletter, so we'll send the newsletter out. And in June, we talk about, you know, watering. And in July, we start talking about pruning a little bit so that you have air circulation and you want to take off the dead leaves and anything that's looking unhealthy. And then in August, we talk about fertilizing again. So um, if you're signed up for our newsletter because you got one of our products, we'll send you reminders um, we've also just developed an infographic that um, we'll make available to any of your listeners if they'd like it. And it has four steps on it um, for taking care of pots. And the first one is when to water. And we talk about checking your pot every morning, making sure the top half inch is dry. And as soon as the top half inch is dry, then it's time to water. Step two is how to water. We encourage people to water the black soil, not the green leaves, because that eliminates, mm -hmm. um, well, it reduces the risk of developing a fungus on your plants. 
Uh, three is feeding, and it talks about using either a slow release over time, which you'd add probably once in the growing season, or using a water soluble, which you're going to have to use every week. And step four is pruning, which you want to do uh, to encourage air circulation and let in more sun to the interior plants. So um, if anybody wants a copy of our infographic, we're, we're happy to supply it. They just need to email us at info at garden-spots.com. We're, we're happy to share that. And we also have a series of YouTube videos that, that gets into more details on this. And we did a whole series of them last summer on herbs in particular, because um, herbs are very weedy and they can get very overgrown in your pot. So we were did a very specific uh, show and tell on thinning and cutting back. Mm-hmm. And then we included uh, how to preserve your herbs so that you don't waste what you're cutting off. So we, we try to keep up with our clients' needs. Yeah, that's a great point about the um, herbs. Uh, I guess we could call it aggressive growing nature. Right. <laughs> and, and the great part about them is they grow rapidly so you can use a lot of them and don't be afraid to cut them back. And the best way to prune them is of course, to keep on using them in your cooking or to keep um, cutting them back and give them to somebody else who can use them in their cooking. So that brings us to the most fun part of container gardening, which are the plants, of course. (laughs) So uh, looking at your website, I was looking at um, some of the formulas you had put together. So you offer a sunny combinations, shady combination, then herb combinations, um, in addition to the science kits that you said you introduced for kids this year. Mm -hmm. So with the sunny combinations and the shade combinations, they're they're generally ornamental annual flowers, um, and it's generally the summer season. So for here in the mid-Atlantic, that's basically beginning to mid-May, and then they, I imagine, go through October. When do you find that they kind of peter out for you? Yeah, if, if you keep up with the pruning and the fertilizing, they will go till frost. They really will. Um, but, but we encourage people to replace them in the fall with right. some of our fall offerings. Right, which with and especially since some of our fall offerings, I mean, they not only look great for, you know, Halloween and Thanksgiving and into the winter, but um, we they will last, for instance, pansies. Many people don't understand that in this that pansies are an annual on a different schedule. They don't come up in the spring and die in the fall. They come up in the fall live through the winter and go through the spring and then die when it gets hot. So in this region, pansies look great almost all winter long. Um, and we sell them with our, uh, in our um, spring magic pots where we put bulbs underneath. So the pansies will go until February and up will come the bulbs. And so they really do look good until you're ready to put in the summer plants in May. But you're right. We do right now. We're definitely concentrating on summer, and um, we we follow the thriller filler spiller um, formula. So each of our arrangements has something that's tall, something that fills in around the sides, and then something that will spill over the sides. Yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, combinations of formulas as well. And looking at the um, 
color choices for your sun summer ones. I first of all, I'm a big purple fan, so I love the purple spot, of course. But I caught my eye was the terp spot because yeah. University of Maryland graduate here, so, <laughs> so yay! And the Fort McHenry, which is a red, white, and blue. But uh, do you find a certain color combinations are way more popular than others, or do you get requests for certain ones? Well, the it. it you generally get the pink purple, the people who like the subtle pink purple looks, and then the really brights. So you see, you know, the pollinator spot and the color burst spot and the turf spot, all very bright mixed colors, yellows, oranges, pinks, purples all together. So yeah, the pinks, the pinks are, I would say the pinks are really popular in May. And then we get toward June and people are thinking heat and they they start picking up on the oranges and the yellows more. I definitely say there's a seasonality to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. there are always people who just plain love white. And um, so we always have a white spot in there too. Yeah. It's a very simple classic, the the white and green combination. But yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say the hot colors is almost, you know, a yearn for a tropical, uh, you know, climate at that point, which we pretty much are yeah, <laughs> in the mid-Atlantic in July and August, for sure. I think my um, daughter said we were a deciduous rainforest. <laughs> I, I think that's true. But yeah, partly. But for the plant choices themselves, um, mm-hmm. I, I assume part of that is what's available. And yeah. then part is also probably your experimentation of what does best uh, for beginners or what does best um in our climate here. Exactly. So can can you talk about some of those in particular? Well, we have experimented over the years with different combinations and people will write and say, you know, I really love that sweet potato vine, but something's eating it. And the first year, everybody had sweet potato vine that was just destroyed. So we never offered it again. So we try to offer things that our customers have felt very successful with. And so the choices that are on our website today are things that include, say, Creeping Jenny, which is one heck of a tough plant. Um, the petunias, the calabracoas, um, lantana, things that will take a little abuse from people who are maybe going away for the weekend or somebody who's not super familiar with um, growing things. So they're, they're tougher plants. They're more time-tested plants and the things that our customers have felt really good about at the end of the season. And there are also things that keep going all summer long. And again, we go for the petunia varieties that don't need to be deadheaded. Mm -hmm. So they're the self-cleaning type. So people can rely on the pot to look good for the duration of the summer. Yeah. We tried verbena one year because it's so beautiful, but Mm -hmm. we had a problem with fungus in that in every pot that, um, and we, we mostly used it as a test one year. We, we grow a lot of test pots ourselves to see how well something will do. And verbena is so dense and so low that it was hard in a pot setting to keep it, um, keep enough air circulating to keep it healthy. So that's, we, we tend to go toward things that will allow some air circulation and withstand our humid um, climate. Mm -hmm. But also, as you said, it depends on what's available. So 
what is on our site right now will probably change because the growers will have a lot of calibrachoa, say in May, and none in June. So in June, you'll see different options up there that include different flower arrangements. That's a good point about the verbena that I think it is happier in the ground yeah. um, where where it can spread and grow and get the wind um, and air circulation around it. So there are, are definitely plants that are more suited for containers and those that are more suited for bedding plants. Right. Um, are there any others that you said, Ugh, we thought this was going to be a great hit and then nope, not not working for us? Yeah, we had some trouble with um, the salvias, the, which we thought would be great in a pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get those nice, tall, blue spires. But they some varieties just got too bushy and just destroyed the pot. And some of them uh, just got so tall and did looked out of place with the other things that were in there. So we could not find a variety that we thought worked really well in a pot. And another thing that is very popular in a pot, but we don't use because, as I said, a lot of our people are new to gardening, is geraniums. Geraniums are fairly easy to grow, but you have to deadhead them all the time or they don't look spectacular. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our customers are new to gardening and don't understand about deadheading. We do write about it in our newsletters, but... You know, with a geranium, you really have to be on top of that thing. You have to go out every morning and and take off the ones that aren't looking pretty anymore. So we haven't featured geraniums in the pots. Um, This year, later, we will have ivy geraniums, um, but they're a little less demanding of deadheading than the typical zonal geranium. Yeah, and they're really great because they they act as their own thriller filler and spiller you put enough (laughs) colors in there and it just grows up and then over so it's kind of a nice look Mm -hmm. so we're hoping people will like that those would be a great choice also for hanging containers yep yeah we actually discourage hanging containers they dry out so fast and again unless you're you know really on top of it you're not going to have great luck with that and so we're we're we warn our uh, our customers about those because we do have people who ask about them and we have provided them. As I said, we'll do custom work and we do provide them, but uh, we don't feature them on our site. Yeah, most of our people are, they really like the container on the ground. <laughs> it's it's something that they find easier to work with. So we, we really cater to people who are new to gardening. Yeah, I never thought about hanging basket as a 2.0 level gardening. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, really demanding. They really do dry mm-hmm. out quickly. And if it's over your head, you can't tell how dry it is. And, you know, you have to you have to be able to water very slowly so that the water, the, the soil doesn't contract away from the edge. And then, you know, it's all just running out the sides. And um, it, it just is a little more demanding than a pot. Some people like to be more involved and do a little more maintenance. So you, you talked about some of that custom work. Um, what was your most fun, I guess, or most interesting container that you did for someone? Well, we did one for someone last year who told us she has the ultimate deer problem. She said, no matter what you plant, the deer will eat it. And they come right up on her front porch and eat it. And she has the additional problem that the front porch is almost in total shade. 
So we did a very nice uh, pot featuring tropical foliage. And we got a lot of color in there. It's it's featured in our gallery. You can look at it. Um, I think that's when we first planted it, but it got huge and colorful and it worked fairly well. Um, she invited us back to do a fall pot for her, so she <laughs> liked it. Um, and it worked out, I think, very well. And it was fun for us. It was interesting to try and research it and fun to build it. And it looked we thought it looked really good when it was done. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, for a stumper question, but I think a shady deer container is pretty close to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was going to say, um, hmm, what combination could I think of to really stump them that I could request? <laughs> well, Deborah has a good deer trick also. We, she, we have little um, sticks that we use to hold our garden spots tag. And we, she's discovered because her her yard is basically a, dear heaven. So she's discovered if you put the little sticks in, so they're just below the foliage, the deer won't eat the foliage because they keep getting poked in the nose. So that is an affordable and yet very effective trick. Yeah. You don't need our skewer. You can just buy the bamboo skewers in the Mm. supermarket, but I do warn people, not if you have small children around, you can poke an eye out with them just like the deer do. (laughs) But if you have something, you know, up on a porch and to keep the deer away, it does work. It works very well. That also works on zombies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the deer don't get poked in the eye. They just get get poked in the nose. Yeah, Poked in the nose and they back off. (laughs) A little smart. It's not a vicious sort of pop. (laughs) And it's great. Unlike the deer spray, you don't have to keep applying it. It stays there all season. And it it it, doesn't smell bad like deer spray. Great tip. And I was just picturing, uh, you know, a deer going in once or twice <laughs> and po- poking themselves on it a couple times and being like, Ugh. yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for your delivery of the containers, how much are you driving every week? And what is your, I imagine your busiest season is uh, mid-May around Mother's Day? Yeah, May and June, but then September and October is very busy also because we a lot of our clients have us come back and repot with all fall stuff. So we have, you know, the um, cabbage and hookara and ajuga and a lot of fall foliage that we put into the pot. So it's equally busy. I think I had over 2,000 miles on my car last year. Right. Basically not leaving Montgomery County. Yeah. And that, that was strictly business driving. So. So we do, but in, in in May and the beginning of June, we'll be seven days a week at this uh, with the farm markets on the weekends. So we'll keep that up. Um, it, we get a lull in July and August, and then in September and October, it'll be busy again, but not quite the seven days a week that it is in uh, May and June. Well, good that you have that, that break in the height of summer when it's the hottest out here. Yeah. yeah. Then we get to go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and so for your own home gardens, um, can you tell me first what containers you grow just for yourselves and then maybe describe for our listeners a little bit about the rest of your gardens? Do you grow edibles? What are your other passions? How about Deborah goes first? Okay. Um, well, I have two beautiful, large, uh, ceramic blue pots on either side of my front door. Um, and 
it's funny you ask what do I usually put in there since we've started this business what I put in there is whatever we're testing for shade <laughs> to see how they go because it is quite shady in my yard um so we've had some great luck with caladium they're they're so beautiful they come in reds and pinks and greens and they grow very large leaves um, and then you can nestle impatience and ivy and even creeping jenny will grow in the shade under them. So you can get quite a lush tropical looking pot. So I've, I've been very fond of that. Um, and then in my yard again, because it is so much shade, I have one corner of a deck that gets enough sun for herbs. And that's, that's my pride and joy is my, my little herb garden, um, which I love very much. And then in the rest of the yard, I actually, my philosophy is uh, I like natives in the landscape. So I have a lot of native plants. Um, I have uh, Indian pinks, the, the Spigelia marilandica, and the um, cardinal flowers, and the Monarda fistulosa, all of which will take part shade, and all of which are hummingbird magnets. And so I have quite a lovely wet, shady garden that you can sit out and watch the hummingbirds. So that's my, my favorite part of my garden. And Michaela? Uh, I like weird stuff. So every year I plant something I've never grown before, but would like to learn about. So one year we planted um, sesame seeds. This year I've got some really big elephant ears just because I want to. Uh, I've grown peanuts in pots. I've, I have grown corn in pots. There's like nothing that I haven't done in a pot. Um, I enjoy vegetable gardening. Um, so I would say it's, it's going to be some weird vegetable this year that I stick out there. And what veggies do best for you in containers? Have you found? I've almost had too much luck with cherry tomatoes because I end up staking them to the outdoor lights because mm -hmm. it's so tall. Yep. Um, the peanuts were really successful. Peanuts are super easy to grow. They're, they're not demanding at all. They just want you to ignore them. And I'm good at that because if it's at my house, I don't have time for it. So um, we did peanuts, especially when my kids were littler. And that was a lot of fun because you just watch it all summer. And then in the fall, you dig it up and you have this treasure trove of peanuts. Um, we also did uh, sweet potatoes, which worked very well in a pot. So I think those were my favorite vegetables. And it's so satisfying just to dump out the pot at the end of the season for harvesting rather than having to dig them out of the ground. It is. It's, right. a, it's a lot of fun. I'm definitely going to have to try out peanuts in containers myself. I've, I've only done them in the soil, so that would be cool. We can hook you up, Kathy. <laughs> All right. That sounds wonderful. And um, so closing thoughts um, for those who are afraid of gardening or call themselves a black thumb um, what would you say to them I would say get potting soil that comes in a bag <laughs> add fertilizer according to the directions on the package and use long-term fertilizer because it's easier and water and and you will be shocked at how successful you will be Wonderful. Well, thank you, Michaela Scanlon and Deborah Lesney. And for listeners who want to follow up with them, they are at garden-spots.com. And we'll put a link to that website in the notes for this episode. And thank you both. That was wonderful and 
for sharing your wisdom all about container growing. Thank you, Kathy. It was fun. This was great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Asparagus plant profile. Nothing says spring like fresh asparagus. With no real work on my part, I am able to get a decent harvest of asparagus from my community garden plot. The only thing this perennial vegetable really requires is patience. Having to hold off on harvesting for three years from the initial planting date was a real test of my willpower, but the wait is worth it. They are so tender, fresh from the garden, that they only need a quick blanching to prepare them. To plant them, buy asparagus crowns, aka roots, via mail order or from your local garden center. Plant them in a trench about 6 to 12 inches deep and a foot wide in a sunny spot in your garden. Add in some organic compost when refilling the hole and then keep the area well mulched. Let the plants go through their growth cycle for two years without picking any so they gain strength and get well established. In the third year, you can finally selectively harvest some spears by grasping them near the ground to bend them and they will naturally snap off at their weakest point. At the beginning of May, stop harvesting and let the asparagus spears grow. They need the tall foliage and recovery time to send energy back down to the developing roots. You will need to tie them up in the summer as they like to flop over. In the fall, the plants form little red seed pods or berries. The asparagus seeds can be collected, dried, and planted the next spring. Towards the end of autumn, the foliage starts to turn brown. Cut it back and compost it, then mulch the bed with organic material like straw. I let strawberries encroach in my asparagus bed as their surface runners don't really interfere much with the asparagus roots. But you really should keep it weeded and free of other interloping plants. By the way, white asparagus is the same plant as the regular green one. It is just deprived of sunshine, so it can't produce chlorophyll and turn green. To grow white asparagus, bury the spears in mounds, adding a few inches of soil a little at a time, leaving the very tips showing. Harvest by digging them out and cutting off the top growth. Asparagus. You can grow that. What's new this week? Well, first, in the community garden plot... I sowed three types of lettuce, Asian baby leaf, mescaline province style, and garden blend. And that was just three days ago, and the baby seedlings are already up. Also recently sprouted is the garden party radish mix and white egg turnips, which I've never grown before, and I'm very curious to do so. I got those as an heirloom seed pack from Landra Seed. 
Uh, the ultimate hybrid carrot seedlings haven't appeared yet, but that's not a big surprise. Those will take a few more weeks before I see them. In the ornamental side of my garden, it is tulip time. I am having a ball cutting different tulips and making bouquets inside. Uh, last year, I had purchased a 50-pack of Purple Prince bulbs and put them into several different beds, so I have plenty that I can cut and bring in and play with elsewhere in the garden. Blooming are heather, hellebores, daffodils, grape hyacinths, lilacs, lycogum, epimedium, primrose, my redbud tree, weeping hygen, cherry tree still hanging in there, the confederate jasmine vine has opened up in the last few days. Corydalis are popping up, and that's kind of a worry for me, but I'm going to let them bloom and then probably pull them out. They can be a bit invasive. In containers, I have pansies, violas, African daisies, alyssum, and phlox. Uh, that's just the start of the list. I think we are right smack in the middle of springtime now and just an explosion of blooms out there. Um, on the talk front, I wanted to invite you all to join me for a free talk on Earth Day that's sponsored by Homestead Gardens. And to sign up for that, you go to homesteadgardens.com and go to the upcoming events tab. It is on April 22nd from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and the title is Bloom and Grow, Learn How to Responsibly Feed and Fertilize for Long-Term Garden Success. So that will have a great eco-friendly theme for Earth Day there. And wanted to call your attention to a couple upcoming plant sales. So a lot of them have been canceled still due to COVID, but a few are still happening. Uh, the Franciscan Monastery Garden Guild is doing theirs via online order and then uh, contactless pickup. Uh, Mount Vernon is having their historic plant and garden sale in person, and that's over two weekends, April 24th to 25th, May 7th and 8th, 9 to 3 p.m. each of those days. And you will go to the shop at Mount Vernon uh, plant sale to check out the list for what they have available. Ledoux Topiary Gardens has their wonderful garden festival again this year, and that is on Saturday, May 1st from 8 to 4 p.m. There are tiered ticket pricing for that. So if you go to ledoughgardens.com, and Ledoux is located in Moncton, Maryland, you can look at the tiered ticket pricing and know that the earlier you go, the more expensive the tickets are because the good stuff goes fast. So check out that tiered pricing and sign up fast for that. My own garden club, Silver Spring Garden Club, is holding our garden mart back at our home at Brookside Gardens in Wheaton, Maryland, and that's on Saturday, May 8th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And like the other plant sales, the good stuff goes fast, so come early and be there at the start at 9 a.m. We source locally grown herbs, uh, vegetable starts, annuals, and then the rest of the sale are plants that come from our members' gardens that we've dug and divided and potted up for you so that you know that these plants do well in our area and will do great for you. And you can check that one out at silverspringgardenclub.com. Happy gardening! Thank you for listening to Garden DC. 
You can become a listener supporter by going to anchor.fm backslash Kathy dash gents backslash support. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can become a listener supporter and we'll give you a shout out in a future episode. Another way to support Garden DC is to go to WashingtonGardener.com and subscribe to Washington Gardener magazine. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. You can find Washington Gardener online at WashingtonGardener.com, on Twitter at WDC Gardener, on Instagram at WDC Gardener, and on Facebook.com at Washington Gardener Magazine.